All right. So, uh, hey, Mr. Finley, how are you, sir? Hey, Tommy. How are you, man? Doing okay. So, I had this experience the other day, and I don't know if this is necessary. This has nothing to do necessarily with this episode or anything like that, but I thought it was a funny anecdote. Okay. Um, and it's one of the things I don't do. Um, what do you call that? Uh, I don't. Uh, I, I tend to overdo things in life and, and get a little obsessed with such. It's and news to me, but go ahead. Super obsessed with uh, podcasts over the last two years or so. Uh huh. Listening to them. And so, yeah, listening to podcasts. And so, I've been trying to. Uh, I've been trying to get you know wrangle that under control you know without having to go you know well, full if you don't mind me i hope this doesn't interrupt the flow of your well i think story, it's at the point where you listen to the same podcast three times just because you liked it you're like ah, maybe i'm not learning anything new here you know what i'm saying maybe i should maybe i should find another thing more create more uh creative and useful to is slide it like a white noise spot. effect to you or yeah, something kind comforting? of it is in a lot of cases yeah definitely is, that's so. every listener we have but go ahead <laughs> As well, because we provide some good white noise, mm-hmm. but um, but I actually uh, but I stopped uh, doing that thing where I was going to sleep listening to my podcast, right. and uh, except um, I want to say this was like last week, last week or maybe the week before, uh-huh. I had the uh, well I had the situation where I woke up at three o'clock in the morning because somebody was talking outside of my window. Now the head of my bed is up next to my window. All right, all right. And so I was like, Ground what floor. the fuck is going on? Yeah, I was listening to this, and it sounded like. You know, first it was like two. It was like one guy having a muttering conversation, and then there was like two guys, and there were two guys having a muttering conversation, and then I noticed they were like from Boston. They had a they had a they had a very significant Boston accent. I'm like, what in the fuck is going on? There was an audience outside, terrified, sitting on bleachers. <laughs> I was getting terrified listening to this because yeah. what's scarier than like you know a potential home invasion with a Bostonian, right? Maybe maybe Chicagoan. Anyway, so yeah, I so I like picked up my <laughs> I go get my phone because it was literally just about to call the cops, and it realized it was Bill Burr mm-hmm. having one of his one of his podcast. I had left. I had gone accidentally fallen asleep with the podcast thing on, and it had recycled into some Bill Burr episodes, and so yeah. I was listening to him have like an insane conversation with himself. So, yeah, huh. you ever? I noticed that an issue, like an old man. Here's your first sign of being an old man, Tom. Is, <laughs> is this my is your, first? Your phone going off and you're not being like, what the hell? What is that noise? No, nah, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> um, good story. Why does it have a camera? Well, I thought it was, I thought ah, it was, it was pretty fantastic. Funny. No, no, I'm complimenting. Really? Right. So um, we're talking about uh, the Oscars, by the way. Now, um, coming you, up. We, yeah, it's coming up. This I have seen almost none of them. Yeah. which What have you seen? Bring them up. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll start listening to the ones I've seen while you bring them up on your phone. The the best picture nomination. I don't, I don't think I've seen. Oh, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I believe that's all I've seen so far. Okay, I've seen that one. Yeah, I saw Joker. Well, we saw it together. Actually, what? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Nope. This is what I mean. This might as well be a fun. No, no, no. Saw it with Michelle. Uh, Joker. Mm-hmm. We saw The Irishman together. Right. Um. What else? Oh, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> Marriage Story. I saw. I see the. I see the. Marriage Story. Yeah. All right. All right. Walk through them. Let's list them all. Well, I, I'm I'm pulling it up, but my phone is very slow and shitty right here. So keep going. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Marriage Story, Joker, Irishman, Once Upon a Time in America, 
I'm kind of blanking. Hollywood. I mean, once I'm in Hollywood, I'm missing the rest of the list. Oh, okay, hold on a second here. It's <laughs> fucking old. <laughs> Best picture. Uh, tw- 1917, Ford v. Ferrari, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite. I haven't mm-hmm. seen Parasite. I haven't seen Ford versus Ferrari. Looks looks horrendous. And I haven't seen 1917. Looks good. Marriage Story, Jojo, Little Jojo, Women. Jojo Rabbit, Little Women. It's all those. So I've seen Irishman. Yeah. Um, Marriage Story. Yeah. You seen Marriage Story? Oh, what'd you think of Marriage Story, by the way? That was great. Holy shit! Yeah, good stuff. Too fucking close to the bone, baby. Yeah, (laughs) had that quality of a little bit, um, a little painful. Yeah, Yeah, a little, a little, um, little bit of uh, scenes from a marriage, maybe. Yeah, I mean, if you compare it to something like um, Kramer versus Kramer. Mm-hmm. Which is I, I saw that recently, and it's I mean it has its good I'm points, sad. and it was ahead of its time, but it's really so fucking cornball in terms of what the dissolution of a marriage is, and that was yeah. after uh, scenes from marriage. You're right, which was brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. This wasn't quite as brutal, but it's pretty brutal. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, yeah, not not near. I would say not nearly as brutal, but yeah, yeah. but uh, good. Like you know, not not dis- not unnecessarily disingenuous. Do you have any favorite uh, horses in in this current race? Um. No, I really don't. No, okay. I mean of the movies of the three that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I did too. I could I see think. best uh, best supporting actor on that. Oh, one. for sure, for sure. Yeah. Okay, uh, and um, I'm. I want to say Adam Driver for Marriage Story in the more traditional sense, but I gotta say Joaquin Phoenix from Joker was just an extraordinary performance. Yeah, they're gonna give it to somebody else. It's not gonna do you go. Think so? I, yeah, I kind of do, and Why? I have nothing to back that up on. Right. I just, I just think he's 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 young. He's not he's not. When it comes to like best actor, I don't know. There's so many. They're all young so many, though in this category this year. I mean, De Niro's not up. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I yeah, I don't yeah, know. I don't, I'm talking out of my ass. I, don't, I have no idea. As no I. predictions, and that's not what we do anyway. So we just wanted to leave. You can in, barely right? predict the Oscar of uh, 1968, the Oscars of 1968 yeah. <laughs> which is the theme of of this episode. The 1968 Oscars. We're uh, specifically dealing with the best pictures of 1967. We did this in. I guess a year ago, yeah, uh, for the 1953 Oscars, 1952 films. Mm-hmm. So the 1968 uh, nominees are 19, 1968 are guess who's coming to dinner? Okay, Bunny and Clyde. Oh yeah, in the heat of the night. Oh yeah, mm, Doctor Doolittle. Mm, yeah, let's go. The graduate. The graduate. All right. So so I think it makes sense. And the to winner go was in alphabetical order. Okay, but you, but the but the right winner now, was you want to do the no no no, <laughs> all right okay. yeah, let's do the winner at the beginning of the show. No, that's no. a good idea. No, no, we're gonna. I just say talk about it, but say who it was. Why? Why not just go at the end? Whatever. Doesn't that make the most sense? And then we could also talk about who we'd like to we win. Wanted to do it and alphabetically, and it's not alphabetical <laughs> order, dummy. It's not the last one in the alphabet. Gosh, what is it? I'm sorry. Say again. It's not the last one. You wanted to go alphabetical order, but uh, the winner is not. Uh, it's not at the end of the alphabet here. Buddy. No, 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 uh, no, no. Just talk about them in alphabetical order, and then talk about who the winner was, uh, rather okay. than announcing the winner at the beginning of the show. What? Okay, however you want to play it. I'm, I'll go with you, buddy. I'll you're, go with you. you're a bigger baboon than the baboon or the little monkey or anything we saw in a great film by David Lynch today on Netflix called <laughs> Any Which Way But Loose. No, that movie was fucking. Uh, um, what was it called? I don't know. Uh, Absurdia? What Joe knows or Absurdia something? or something? I, this David Lynch 17-minute film on Netflix, like a noir monkey movie. <laughs> it was so interesting. Yes, yes. It I was. liked it a lot. Yeah. David right. Lynch, you Monkey Madness. Yes, you did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck the movie was about, but it was weird. It was very strange. <laughs> oh, man, oh I, I want to call it damn near Lynchian. There's actually a, re- a reason I wanted, I wanted to watch that before we did this episode, by the way. Oh, yeah? Okay. 
Let's go. I guess in, in alphabetical order then. But I think that would, we would have but, to start with Bonnie and Clyde. All right. So Bonnie and Clyde, 1967. So this is, um, I think it's Faye Dunaway's second film after the Otto Preminger film that she did with Michael Caine and the, <laughs> the horribly forgettable movie with uh, Jane Fonda blowing a saxophone. Oh, and, and Michael Caine trying a Southern accent. Burgess, Burgess Meredith <laughs> and the John Birch Society. <laughs> what was it called? Sun, sundown, go yonder, okay. sundown. Come, come here, sundown. Something, Get over here, sundown. Something awful. Sundown, be over here. Anyway, so she hated that film debut. Hail Sundown? Something like that. Uh, yeah, I can't okay. believe we can't remember the name of it. We talked I, I, about it nonstop when it came out. But it was, um, you know, she was into this five-picture deal with, with uh, Preminger. She hated him so much that, mm-hmm. that she cut herself loose as a new actress. Yeah. Um, but Took luckily, the hit financially, too, which is rather a significant one. Hey, but luckily, man, she um, is now in Bonnie and Clyde with Warren Beatty. Yes. So this is between Hurry Sundown, I think it's called. That's, that's, that sounds about right. Um, and the year before, and the year after is she plays the investigator in the Thomas Crown Affair. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, she's got a good range. If you look at those three films, she's got a great range because she plays levels of sophistication and non-sophistication. Sure. Particularly, I would say, in Bonnie and Clyde, where she plays Miss Bonnie Paca, yeah. who is a... Are we, are we close to saying she's a pretty darn good actor? Betty Davis hated her. <laughs> that's not that's not the point. I, well, I trust <laughs> Betty. Yeah, I don't she know. The, the problem is she had a, a period of time of about fourteen years mm-hmm. where she was good, and there was a little bit of range, but it was always. I mean, she was always kind of like a. She played off her cheekbones, if you know what I mean. Like the the harshness of her sort of model type face was also like the uh-huh. the cynical her, and I would say. Bonnie and Clyde's the only one she's not actually fully cynical in. I mean, I mean, Network, Mommy Dearest, um, Chinatown. Um, strong women is what I'm hearing here, Jess. She's strong in this one in so a well, weird way. So we'll have a damaged as fuck women, too. That I was guess, definitely, definitely I guess, a through line right? in that. Yeah. All right, so so we have this obviously kind of quasi-historical um, drama. You could probably set us straight on a lot of the where the history is correct and, and correct. Uh, a lot of, you know what, I think it's it's correct in in um, a lot, in, in many of the facts, but I think it, it's taken a lot of sort of, it's taken a lot of liberties with timelines and things like that. And, yep. you know, to, 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 no, to no terrible effect one way or the other you know um so um overall what did you think of the movie i love this movie uh we saw this movie re-released in the theater about two years ago we took my um, mother-in-law who had dementia and went throughout the movie was was calling somebody she knew in the darkness Mm -hmm. and it didn't bother us a bit because it was a great fucking movie action-packed you know what it is you know i love the way warren Beatty, to his detriment i think Hmm. has been a careful um, motion picture artist. I say artist because he's like writer, director, he's producer. He's picked his battles, yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at a movie like Reds, which unfortunately we can't do because it's 1981, mm-hmm. unless it's a cheat day movie. We had um, the way he, he did a similar thing. And that one, it was like, he, 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 I don't know if you remember, in Reds, it was a story of John Reed, you know, 10 Days That Shook the World, and, and uh, Luis, yeah. who's an artist from Portland. But mm-hmm. but um, that whole sort of like uh, Greenwich Village scene of communist political artists, um, Eugene O'Neill. And, and then he interspersed um, interviews with old people who had been around as communists during that time, mm-hmm. and, and it's like, wow, he doesn't want to—he doesn't want you to lose the thread. And I love the way that he put this, helped put this picture together because it was Arthur Penn who directed it. But they—they were, they were hand in hand, and it's like even the. Um, the way it starts with all the sort of old, um, like the music and the old photographs yeah, yeah, yeah. are, it's really, really interesting. And it's also not, 
it is over the top at times when it wants to be, but it's it's um, also kind of a, a remarkably subtle movie. Well, okay, so I'd like I'd like you to explain that to me. So here's yeah. my thing. My take on it is mm-hmm. I think it's a very good movie. Your I like it, it a lot. Um, I would have to say that I don't. It, it's one of the. It's a movie that I sort of more appreciate in its context as as of the time period that it was coming out. Yeah. I guess one of the things I think that's going to be interesting to talk about today, which is 1968, is definitely the shift, kind of the death of the old studio system, and moving into more individual and you know more uh, more progressive sort of artists and directors, particularly. I think you're right. It's like. 67 right but it's like it's the it's a i i would say there's a seam that's very clear in that like half the movies are are yeah are that way and the other half are trying to hang on yeah, yeah. to the very old weird and it, it, it's a little odd movies in 67 and 68 i would say yeah. are, are are full of that sort of contradiction yeah and so in that sense one of the things i appreciate about the, about this movie is in the sense in which it's you know it's part of the avant-garde of sort of the new wave like a new, like kind of the new sensibility coming into Hollywood. And I like that about it. Yeah. I mean, new wave is a particular, I, I'm not calling you to task on this. I'm really trying to uh, try yeah, to new wave, is, new wave the, is a loaded term that means because of the French specific wave. things. Yeah. And no, the, but the, I'm the also Italian, asking you know. if, if it's influenced by like the French Italian new wave cool. thing. I don't know. I, that, that takes more knowledge than I have on this particular subject. I'd uh, have to look that up and I think it might be an interesting, yeah, maybe. What's this movie trying to do? Because to tell the plot of this movie is like, you can give little plot points, but it's really the story, the story of, of Bonnie and Clyde, <laughs> Bonnie, Bonnie and Parker, Clyde, Clyde Barrow. Yeah. Clyde Barrow, who convinced Bonnie Clyde, it was easy to do. I think history is this way too, to, to come with him and, and and leave her life in Texas to become abandoned mm-hmm. on the run, right? Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. and there's a sort of like that time period where it's like pretty boy Floyd, like the gentleman bandit. Yeah, right? the, well, that's one of the things that I think they, they take some really interesting liberties because they were really not a very successful version of this. They were just like the hot young Romeo and Juliet right. couple back, you know, in the historical context. So they play them up um, as being they were they were not as competent as I think they they kind of portrayed it in the movie. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was definitely that time period. There, were, there was this romance in the air, like Pretty Boy Floyd for sure. Dillinger, the top of the heap, absolutely. Yeah. And then um, this kind of weird love story out of Texas, which was Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, that I really like. She was kind of cute and she held guns and that's kind of hard. Well, uh, that's part of the whole scenario between them that I think a lot of films before this would not have even uh, have touched upon. And that's his impotence. Right. And it's sort of like, you know, there's been a lot of studies about like the way when he first pulls out the gun, the gun is facing down and then she reaches over and tries to, to pull the barrel of the gun up. And it's like, yeah, OK. I mean, maybe Arthur, Arthur Penn and Warren yeah, Beatty yeah, were yeah. playing with that. I really or, or I really kind can't. of trying to put in a bisexual because there was always that that, that got yeah. said a bunch. though too. Yeah. yeah, 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 certainly. But but I, I like the fact that they decided to take that on because it it, um, it takes it away from being a purely sort of romantic yeah. I mean, it, it reframes their romance in an interesting way because mm-hmm. she all of a sudden, after being, she initially is kind of mad that he won't succumb to her advances, but it's like after, she's supposed to be mad. She's taught her whole life. It's clear that, that that's the next that, reaction that's her to be job mad. And, right, yeah, yeah. And, and then she realizes this is going to be a whole new ballgame. We're actually going to be partners. Yes. You know, and that then it becomes kind of interesting in a way that um, maybe couldn't have been done before or after without mm-hmm. being too like ham-fisted about the feminist sort of aspect of it had been done in like 1977 or something no i mean i just maybe no, no, right you're absolutely so it's right, like yeah. like nice sort of seam in time um and and i love um i love i i would say it's one of the best films i've ever seen i would say top 10 for editing the editing is mm. tremendous in the film the way that that arthur penn well he's a director whoever the editor is that's a shame i don't know that that's how editing is folks sorry, whoever sorry, that editor no, is sorry ladies sorry probably a woman Most who edited <laughs> um put it together in such a way that it's like when you really look at it 
less is happening than you think is happening because of the way that it's um, this film and another one I think that does this is the French Connection. Hmm, okay. There's a um, sorry to go off on the French Connection here because we should do that on its own. But there's a somebody did a count one time. It might have been when I was a kid watching the Academy Awards and they were trying to explain to the audience how important editing is. They do it every once in a while. Like now, look at this without music. Okay, your point is well taken. The music helps us. But they showed the car scene chase from um, uh, 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 what did it say? Um, uh, French Connection, mm-hmm. which is like less than two minutes, but has like a hundred and forty different shots in it. Right. That make you like very aware of how much action is supposed to be happening mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. And Bonnie and Clyde has this in spades, I feel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, you know what's really, just talking about editing, I, I took, um, I'm, I'm, I'm working out of a thing called CMAC, which is our local pub, uh, cable access show. Nice. And I took a class in video editing and, and editing, uh, and it is, what's funny is, is it, it, as much as I've watched movies, as much as I love movies, and I suspect the same thing would be true of you, my appreciation of what an editor can actually do, yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really had no fucking idea. Right. Because at the end of it, you do a little project and you take some like some uh, some stock fo- uh, video that they have and some stock audio, and you put them together and you try to make something. And I and that's I got a real a real notion of how much you could take one thing and make it look to- just just by slow it down. Yeah. You know, make it go slow mo and put a different song yeah. behind it, and it's a totally different. Fucking scene. Nice. It's really fascinating. Yeah, this is yeah, some really good editing. I think the best thing I love, the thing I love most about this, of course, is the acting. Yeah, it's great. Hey, I think, um, you're, you're, I can hear you uh, fine. It's great. Okay. But, but uh, you don't have to get closer to anything, but something about it, it keeps popping. I wonder if you could just sort of um, bring the mic up a little bit. So, okay. I, sorry, I don't mean to. Yeah, good. Good. Excellent. Okay. I think okay. It's the same, same Probably the same. Yeah. So go ahead. <laughs> All right. Anyways, but uh, be, uh, you know, but not only, of course, the first, the two leads, of course, but yeah. then we got the Jeans in here. We got Gene Wilder and Hackman. Yep. Blowing it, blowing it up, having a well, great look, time, doing it, doing kind of really good work. Ha- um, Gene, Hackman being Hackman. Gene Wilder was was great in this very small bit part, but before that, I God, I wish I could think of the name of the actor, but the the actor they got to come along with them and to be in the gas station uh, character who right. came along with them. I forget. Oh, his name. I can't He's remember. Fantastic. He's like a character actor from the you 60s, see late sixties. Every every fucking where, yeah, yeah. I mean, if a, you needed like a, you needed like a like a Steve. Like a loser Steve Buscemi-ish character actor. This is the guy you called Mike on at Bichetti. that time. You know Mike, Mike Buscetti, the comedian? No. That's him. Okay. Look him up. All right. So, yeah, I mean, the thing is, I, I would say the film takes a sort of interesting turn where it starts to stretch out a little bit. It, it really stretches out. So it's like you got Gene Hackman, his really asshole wife, who you know is going to blow the whole scene. Right. Um, uh, uh, Clyde, who's like... You know, uh, upset if he kills somebody. Bonnie, mm-hmm. who's thrilled by his killing people, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're all sort of off. And and there's a section of the film. It's it's kind of early in the third act where they're finally sort of off on their own, and the movie slows down a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's it's such a brilliant change of pace by Arthur Penn because when they finally um, catch up with them, uh, it, it's it, it speeds up again, and it's like, wow, you really feel betrayed. It really is an anti-hero movie. You mm-hmm. feel betrayed by the law. Mm-hmm. You know, the long arm of the law. Oh, yeah. Of they fought the law. The law won. Yeah, the law won like a motherfucker no, in spades. Talk sh- about editing. Now, that that, now that's what, now that's peck and paw style editing. Yeah. That ending <laughs> in the shootout in the car is great. It's yeah. one, it's super violent for 1967. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I can't find much fault in this film at all. I, there's almost nothing I would do differently. I, I loved it. That, my only thing is, I don't think for me, it doesn't deserve this. It doesn't really live up to all the hype of it, but I think it's still a fucking excellent movie. We'll talk about that for a second. 
like because that's worth. What is the hype around it? Before you saw it, what were some of the things? Well, that you it's remember? like one of the great, you know, like it's one of those top one hundred movies or something like that. I'd put it in the top two hundred maybe or something like that. But there's so many huh. movies out there. I don't know. I thought it's it's a really good movie. I think it's a really competent movie. Yeah. It just doesn't. Um, it doesn't. It, it, it doesn't really have a place in my heart. Uh, I think it's brilliantly done. I, I I disagree with you there. I put it in the top one hundred for sure. Okay. Um, but again, I don't know that we have. It's just a feeling we're both having here. I mean, we both say it's a good film, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's doing what it should I, be yeah, doing. I would never tell somebody not to watch this movie. All right, let me let me get random on your ass, yeah. You get you, get you get you random on. Is brother. this better or is Patch of Blue better? Patch of Blue. Really? Love Patch of Blue. I do love Patch of Blue too. Yeah, I'm sorry, I love that movie, dude. Yeah. Okay. It's a great one, but it just I just uh, apples and oranges, but it's like okay, I just want to get a feel for you because it's okay, all right, and yet this is much more well known. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, much more right. popular. Right, right, right. For sure. All right. Two, so two thumbs up, a little divided on whether it, it, it's like in the pantheon of greatness. Right. I, I say yes, barely. Mm-hmm. You say not quite. Not quite. Yeah. Not not, not for me anyways, but okay. Mm, oh, that's, that's good. good semi-agreement. <laughs> oh, fuck are we talking about? Well, here? I can tell you what we're talking about next. Oh, please. And that is motherfucking Dr. Dr. Doolittle. Doolittle. Wow. Now, this is almost exactly the polar opposite of what I was talking about before, the move into sort of like this new... Right. Generation oh, of filmmakers. On. This it's, is like a, just a grotesque piece of the forties. Because the year after that, no, I, I think it's very specifically the sixties. But no, but it 60s. is the sixties, absolutely. But at the same time, it's like, but there, but but it's but there's an ethic going on there that reminds me of like an older studio. Movie. I'm just disagreeing with you there too. But our disagreements are minor here. I'm saying the forties wasn't nearly this cornball. Okay. I, I mean, I'm saying when it reached, it <laughs> overreached. And, and think about this: the next year's uh, 1969s, I think. Uh, best picture of 1968 was Oliver. What the fuck were we doing? What in the cock sucking fuck were we doing? Okay, That's crazy. So let me, let me, <laughs> shit, dude. I even know. Now, hold on. Let's back this up real quick. I have to, yeah. I have to make an admission. This falls into the, this is, this is what I call the Nocturnal grease trap. Edition. I'm going to call this the grease trap, if All you right. will, which is when I was a kid, I loved the movie Grease. Tried watching it as sure. an adult. Didn't, no, fucking awful. Made me embarrassed. This is the, that same thing. I love this thing when I was a kid. I, the, 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 the title song, this is the world of Dr. Do. Yeah. Little is like one of those songs that comes into the back of my empty head when nothing else is in there. Right, right, right. Like I just, I, I, I loved this movie when I was a kid, and parts of it stuck with me. And my dad hated it, and I couldn't figure out why. And now I know why. I expected because I hadn't seen it's it since I was a kid. Watchable. I, I had expected I would, I would watch it, and one of two things would happen. I'd actually maybe surprise myself. You know what? Kind of like we're no angels. Yeah. Not bad actually. Mm. Or something. This is an. Portion of much the movie. worse than this I is remember. A horrendous this is so movie. Terrible. And there's a whole story behind it. Just, it was lobbied. I mean, nobody wanted to choose this as a nominee. It, there was hardcore lobbying. I, I, I was wondering because this can't possibly be the sixth, the fifth, or sixth best movie of, of any year. Of any year, it is <laughs> horrendous. I'm trying to think of things I like Rex Harrison in, and I think Midnight Midnight Lace. Yeah. And there's one other I was thinking of. I can't remember what it is. Well, it, it, it begs the question: Who in the fuck thought that Rex Harrison and should be in musicals at all. He can't sing. I don't know why. It's he doesn't a, even try in this one. I don't even know why it's a musical. I have no idea <laughs> why. I mean, there. I generally don't okay, like musicals, yeah, but no. but typically I see some sort of through well, line as to why is Greece like, is a musical. I understand. Yeah. But there's no moment to reflect, you know, like in a, a Shakespearean aside and then go into song in this. There's no reason to. And by the way, 
almost nothing happens in the movie except an excuse to it's like just like the hangover which i think is a much better movie than this is really just a series of excuses at least i at least i get something out of it like yeah. like some ha-has and he's hmm. this movie is not good i'm going to say okay I, I, while i was watching this i i forced myself to list out whatever the positives might be yep. okay okay the positives are two of the movies uh two of the songs and i can't remember the names of the songs so don't ask okay uh, I thought were decent. Uh, oh, and watching the uh, the Uncola guy at the end yeah. was was only slightly embarrassing, and it was definitely that. But at first, I thought it was James Earl Jones, just because he had leaves a black man with a deep voice. <laughs> and then later on, I was like, no, that's not him. He's way too skinny. And then I remembered, oh, and then I looked it up. It's the Uncola guy. So uh, that's a little bit of nostalgia there. But the rest of it, even most of the songs are just like, this thing happened, and now I'm going to do a song that's basically a list Talking of about this, the things that are in front of me. Of this thing, yeah. or or that which it is not. <laughs> By the way, I'll Almost play, all of the songs are terrible. I'll play your game, Tom. I found two things I can think of that I liked about it. One, Dog Witness. Dog Witness, I could at least see <laughs> as how as a child, I thought that was hilarious. Dog Witness is funny. And um, also, I when at the beginning, when the monkey was making bacon and sausage and the pig was underneath it all upset i thought what and then they actually address it yes why it's okay to eat bacon like fuck this pig and i thought okay yeah fuck that pig and mm -hmm. let's hear a song about it that's it i mean it was just i mean the whole thing it starts with a uh well, there's a, a great political messages involved here <laughs> the vegetarianism uh the fact that the only sane people are a either the doctor or black and that's the only reason me i but mean even I, the black people have a lot of weird rules in their book so so there's a duck that needs mending that's how we get the story of dr Ludula. Yes. they take the duck and of mm -hmm. course the doctor speaks all the languages of the animals a parrot taught him the language no, the magistrate realizes that uh actually this is kind of funny that he thinks that Dr. Doolittle stole, stole a horse when, in fact, Dr. Doolittle's just fitting the horse for a new pair of eyeglasses. Um, they escape to a circus where Dr. Doolittle befriends a seal who I think misses its mother or something. No, no, her husband. She's oh, got to right. go, 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 old... go get that vitamin D, bro. <laughs> dresses the seal it's as an old lady. Actually, it's becoming funnier the more I'm thinking about it. <laughs> because I remember he, he dressed the seals in a bonnet. And he, uh, a, a constable comes by and says, who is that? What do you got there, sir? And he says, oh, it's my, my, fa my frail mother. He says, she smells like fish, yeah. which has a new level of funny to That's it. Her. And uh, they find the, the great <laughs> snail that they're going to sail off on. There's a woman the who doesn't like him. Somehow the snail has a room in its ass. I mean, it is really just a disaster of a movie. <laughs> and by the way, really, um, why, even if you did like this movie, what's the cause for it being two and a half hours? Being the longest <laughs> movie of any of the nominees. Why is this almost as long as Goodfellas? Because <laughs> you needed to see all the nuances. It's really the awful, awful, awful Everybody, movie. Uh, Okay, now there is that. But here's, okay, let me let me throw something at you that I think will maybe maybe give you a new, a, a new appreciation for that. All right. What if this, if they took like the sensibility of say Jacob's Ladder and put it into this movie? I don't know Jacob's Ladder. I know the reference. Oh, okay. So basically we find out at the end, or uh, Fight Club, we find out at the end that yeah. this was all just... This guy having a nervous breakdown, meta, meta. kidnapping a child, and taking a, a taking an oafish Irishman, and, and heading to the south. No, States. I can't think of a honestly. I, I can't. By the way, to be fair, I want to start listing movies that try to do a lot of the same things, and I can go like, all right, thumbs up. Like for instance, I've always disliked My Fair Lady, but I understand the story. I understand that it's a story that could be likable. I just don't happen to like right. the execution of it. 
or, or the musical aspect of it. But it's like, okay, I get the fucking, obviously it's ripping off trading places. <laughs> I can, I mean, I get, I get what's happening with that one. We talked about recently for Patreon episode, um, uh, singing in the rain. I mean, yeah. there's all kinds of dumb movies I can get on board with, but this one is just an insult to movie making. How about the fact that this also, uh, I think we're on our third remake right now. Like the the latest remake, I think, is the third iteration. You know They've rebooted it, Joseph. I know, but listen, here's here's what at least they did. I, I don't. I, I always drives me crazy when they reboot and they they change everything, and it's like, well, I just called something different. The one, with, the one with Eddie Murphy in the '90s, it's like it's is a different story. I mean, he talks to animals. He finds out he can talk to animals through some sort of magic. Well, but the thing is, I have to say this: the Eddie Murphy Doctor Doolittle is. Ten times the movie this well, is. Okay, so first off, it tells a different story. So you're saying they had an actual story? No, it was dumb. I mean, it was okay. sort of like you know, <laughs> this movie has some equivalent like, of like a conked on the head and can suddenly understand a mule. You know, I mean, it's nice. not much better, but it's sort of like there are laughs in it, or there are you know. What about the great movie, the great mule movies of the seventies? Are you talking about Gus the the, the, uh, the football, football kicking kicker, with yes. Ed Asner? Great movie, <laughs> or Francis the Talking Mule? One Take your pick. That's our next episode. By One the way, the Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it goes just, without saying that it just it's just a uh, yeah, it's just a pain. it's not it's not like it's gonna it, uh, unintentionally amuse you. It's just oh, it's terrible. It's so far beyond my my ability to adequately insult it. I'm gonna be honest. That's with you. really it. I, I was afraid we would have much to say about everything it. Everything at that point is gonna turn into some kind of underwear reference, and it's next, just not worthy of. What's it. the next Harrison movie that we like? like? Midnight Lace. There's another. Oh, I know what it was. Uh, well, we didn't really like this movie, but he's better in it. Agony and the Ecstasy. At least it's like I could get on board with him as the Pope. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'll be honest. When I don't mind. Come doing I don't mind uh, my fair lady. I I, I, yeah, I don't fair. have a real problem with that. So you yeah. know. But 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 again, who the fuck thought he was he should be in musicals at all is completely beyond me. No. He's, he's not even trying to. In this one, he's in, in my fair lady. He was at least sort of attempting to be tonal. In this one, he didn't yeah. even fucking try, man. Yeah, yeah. It just it just definitely going through through the numbers. Okay, so two plus two thumbs up is what I'm hearing here. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know what My to do butt. with this movie. I mean, I guess I would show it to younger people just to show them what a shittier life we used to have than they have. Well, I think, but but I think the real problem is, is as as I was talking about, I think children lo- would love this. Just the notion of having being able to talk to a push me pull. By the way, that was another thing I thought. You remember there's the, there's a there's a creature in there. There's a magical yeah, mythical double, creature. They double push, a llama. Yeah, it's a llama that's that's got like basically two front halves attached to it. And then my thing in watching this is like, oh, the guys who are playing that inside of that suit, like mm-hmm. they must have just hung themselves after. Like, well, no, because normally you have to do the ass with your face pointed in a guy's ass. At least they got to stand up, all of them. Well, okay, but 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 at the same time, like, what if that was like it? That was their Hollywood career. This is, in a, total. this is the point I'm saying to make about the movie. It's like, or what if one of them was Eric Stoltz? What if? Uh, <laughs> as a little young mask, yeah. <laughs> but no, what what was the point of the push me pull except to have a push me pull me? Like, there's like every they part. They wanted of, you to understand the wonder of being a child again, Joseph. All of this, all of the movie is like this. That, yeah. That's the other question I have. Who is this fucking for? Right. It's an Oscar. It's a movie that's got an Oscar nod, which means it's for adults, but really it's only for children. It isn't for children, though. Here's the, here's the point, Tom. You think that, but just consider that. You when, would think that. No, you should think that. No, but, no. but just consider, Tom, that when we were eight, we loved Advice and Consent <laughs> and the Days of Wine and Roses. So so saying that we like this when we were eight is, is a worthless drinking. comment. I don't think it was for, it was, no kid would like this movie. Uh, first of all, it's, it's too slow. Kids are dumb. 
they are dumb, but this movie is too slow for kids and adults. All right, we need to. We and need I to, like boring movies. Yes, you do. Let's but make, this is terrible. Let's make this happen. Let's let's do this test. We need a control group, which would be us in another room. Yep. All right, never mind. Let's move on. You want to move on? So, yeah. I so think, we got Bonnie I think, and Clyde. I think we are very much agree with this one. Do little. Then we got two thumbs in in your butthole. We got the graduate. Oh yeah, graduate's kind of interesting because you know I, everyone knows this fact, but it's worth repeating that Anne Bancroft and Dustin Hoffman were the same age, right? Mm-hmm. In life, in this movie, yet she plays the mother of a quasi girlfriend of his, his, and he plays the just out of college kid. Right. He was thirty and she was thirty, mm-hmm. playing up and down. Now I first saw this movie at the Red Vic way back in the day. All right. Totally. I, I, I'm just going to be really honest. This is my favorite movie of all the ones from this that we're going to be talking about today. Can't help yourself, can you, Tommy? Yeah, I premature, <laughs> premature <laughs> graduation, <laughs> premature oscillator. No, um, but uh, but uh, but when I saw it, I remember like the the scene where he's uh, in in the scuba suit in, oh, yeah. uh, in the pool. Classic. That's one of the funniest fucking scenes I'd ever seen in my life. This is point. Mike Nichols. I, this is one of the first movies I ever laughed out loud. And it, yeah, it's Mike Nichols. This is Nichols making the break and being, one year after. What's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Yeah, yeah, and this is really part of like him being. He was really in as part of one of the groundbreaking directors at this time period. You know, mm-hmm. breaking out of that school, that uh, married Miss Diane Sawyer, that Hollywood. What's that? Married Miss Diane Sawyer. Well, is that right? I didn't know that mm-hmm. after after having married butcher Elaine May. Yes, Elaine May. Yeah, Nichols and May. They were a old comedy group, comedy couple. Oh, that's even too old for this podcast. Ah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> an obscure Jack Parr reference, please. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, this is a tremendous movie. This is about a, a guy coming of it's a, it's a good coming of age story. There's so many uh, scenes from this movie that are just iconic that you've seen in Simpsons episodes or this or that. Yeah, well, oh, it's a movie, by the way, the one I always point to about how I really want people to turn me around about a movie because for years I'd seen this once in high yeah, school. You, you I didn't like it. This I didn't movie. like it for like 20 years, but mm-hmm. it's it's a movie I didn't have any access to in high school. It didn't really resonate. It wouldn't have resonated with me and so right um i think it's a fucking great movie um it, but not everyone agrees about hmm, we'll see there's a lot of issues with this movie mm-hmm. so it's like he's com- he's coming home uh, he's he just graduated from college i think berkeley he's right. down in in southern california with his mm-hmm. well-to-do parents right 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 um, he's kind of lazing around the pool all summer. Mm-hmm. Not sure. Maybe he's going to go graduate school. Uh, the the father or the or maybe the neighbor's dad has uh, classic advice for him. Right. One word, son: plastics. plastics. Which of course, which of course, that's in one of those cultural lodestones that has come through other movies. Sure, and sure. And and it's it's important that this movie uh, comes out uh, uh, during the Vietnam War, as yeah. was important with Doctor Doolittle. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <laughs> and so he's looking for something to do, and the something he's looking for might be. Uh, uh, the girl who's also returning uh, from su- to summer vacation or whatever from college, and that's uh, Catherine Ross. Right. Later to go to fame as Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid girlfriend mm. and marry Mr. Sam Elliott. Mm, that's really? good mustache. I did not know that. Anyway, she's okay. worth $5 million. Unbelievable. Wow. Literally. I think, you know, human life is worth more than that, Joseph. Okay. So um, you got, uh, is it Hal Holbrook? Is, Hal um, Holbrook. He's the husband of... He's the man who has been professionally old. Like, of Anne uh, Bancroft. Right, right, right. Okay, so, so no, it isn't. I take it back. It's Barney Quinn from Anatomy of a Murder. Which, by the way, if you, if you confuse those two actors, then no problem. I get it. Okay, so sorry. So <laughs> They're I'm, eminently I'm, replaceable one I'm with the other. I'm just rotating around here. But, but the idea, of course, is that there's this um, May-December affair, and it's reversed. Right. 
right? This yeah, is Man Bancroft, one the older two, woman, seduces the young Dustin Hoffman. One of two films during this Dustin. era, right? There, there's um, a Harold and Maude, which is a total oddball in terms of the, of the flipping there with, with yeah, Ruth much Gordon. More, and, yeah, much less mainstream, certainly. Right, but 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 this is, was considered less mainstream because it's really the, the older sort of, and by older we mean like she's supposed to be 45 or right. something, or f- maybe And he's 50. early 20s. Right? And she's a very, I mean like, well and kept. She's freaking Anne Bancroft. She's great. <laughs> she's a sexy woman. Mel Brooks done she's good, a, we, She's what we call, we have entire <laughs> channels of the internet dedicated to MILFs, so yeah. She was the original MILF, I would say. I would say, she, well, original? I don't know, I think maybe that would be Jane Eyre, but that's going back. <laughs> <laughs> You thought the Nichols in May was too far back. Oh, okay. boy. All right. Anyways. But um, so, yeah, no. I so mean, they have this affair. And, yeah. and she seduces, seduces him because he has to ask, are you seducing, seducing me? me? <laughs> are you trying to seduce me, Ms. Robinson? So they have this affair. And it's like yeah. there's all kinds of great things I don't want to reveal, like specific things. But it's like the way the affair goes down. But here's what's odd. About, and, and by the way, everyone else is, is prompting him to go out with Catherine Ross. And it's like, holy shit. You know, like I, I'm, I'm banging the mom, but it's like I'm supposed to sort of play like, you know. Right. And, of course, the mom is kind of jealous. And there's all kinds of interesting things. Here's what people faulted for, and I have to maybe agree. Not that it takes away from it being a good film, but takes away from what everyone celebrates it for. And it's this, that once he sort of comes to his senses and decides to sort of break the affair off, I mean, it's obviously not going to last, mm-hmm. and maybe pursue Catherine Ross, which he does in a very, like, um, uh, Don Murray from Bus Stop stocky way, I might say, yeah, in yeah. Berkeley. <laughs> it's a little creepy. But okay, sure. we, we give it a sort of, like, a, a little pre-Me Too hall pass there. Mm-hmm. Um, Anne Bancroft is a complete cunt in the story, and it's yes. like, wait, it's a little unfair yeah. that it's like, oh, oh, she the spurned older lover mm-hmm. who's ultimately, it's like, eh, come on, man. There's a little bit, because she's, she's, I mean, that last scene famous where where Catherine Ross is going to get married and Dustin Hoffman's banging on the church yeah, glass yeah, and, they, yeah. and they head off in a bus and it's like yeah, I like the fact that who knows where they're going to go I feel a little bad for the, the fiance but but Catherine uh, um, Anne Bancroft is really cunting it up like oh get you my pretties and it's like what the fuck I would say it's not kind to her in the way that you would expect a movie of this time and place to be not kind to an older woman I would say the last her, act falls apart and the only thing that actually makes it technically not fall apart is um, great Simon and Gar- Garfunkel soundtrack, oh, especially soundtrack. as he's could, driving back and forth from Berkeley yeah. to Santa Monica. You cannot talk about this. You cannot talk about this movie without talking about the soundtrack. I would refuse to do it, Tom. I, well, and well, you ought, sir, it's because you know what? Because you know what you couldn't do that. Sorry. Let's bookend it with that. <laughs> Let's do that. Mm. <laughs> no, tremendous. Uh, yeah, the soundtrack, of course. <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel <laughs> like knocking that shit out the park. <laughs> Yeah. Pretty fucking amazing. Okay, so um, I I give it a high thumbs up, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. It's the first film. Uh, of, it's, I, I think this falls into the 100 for me as far as like classic Yeah, films. oh, I could see sure. it. Um, uh, even if I don't put it in my top 20, anyone who does, I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It's the first film that clearly is on the other side of the scene. Now, you, you could say that Bonnie and Clyde is in the way they approach it and what they're, how they're reviving something from that time period for four, like 40 years later to make social yeah. commentary. The next fuck Doctor Doolittle, whatever. The Graduate is the first of, of our list, which is actually dealing with like contemporary life well, and issues. It's, it's also okay. It's the first one dealing with, I get at the time, youth culture that isn't embarrassing about it. Not As entirely, well. anyway. <laughs> not entirely, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not not like this next movie we're going to be talking about is. Oh, really? I would think so. Are we done? Should oh no, no. On? I mean, really, you feel that way? Guess who's coming to dinner? 
I don't have time to guess, Tom. What's the next film? No, no, ma, seriously. Ma, 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 ma. Who's coming to dinner? No, who? <laughs> uh, no, uh, yeah, the next movie, I guess. Now, here's this, this is so interesting to me. This movie is shot in the Bay Area at the, mm-hmm. uh, the same year as The Graduate is. It couldn't feel more different tonally. Yeah. And I would say that, uh, and yeah, I would say absolutely. I think the, I, I, I think the, the only, hmm, the, the major downside I have with this movie is the way it's treating the youth culture. They're just all a bunch of slinky hippie dudes walking around. It's, it's a little bit. Well, you mean uh, the, the, the one, the background characters, the people who barely got well, insurance the, yeah. for being in the film. Like yeah, the exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't it's, care. It's kind about of embarrassing. Stanley Kramer. I mean, come on. It pokes his nose in about three times in the movie, and it's yeah, okay. kind of like, it's, it's a little upsetting when it does, but other I guess. than that. Yeah. I, I don't even really care about it. But yeah, I, I, it's a point well taken. But, okay, but I mean, what are, Stanley Kramer, it, he's like, he's eight years off of like um, Inherit the Wind <laughs> and, and Judgment at Nuremberg. It's almost shocking that this was made in the same year as, as The Graduate was. In the no, same area. I don't want to talk about it for a second, but just to name the title, it's more shocking to me is that it's made in the same year as In the Heat of the Night. Oh, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I'm just saying, like, I, to uh, me, that's the harder bridge to cross. But, mm-hmm. but the thing is, look, in, in, it's very easy, I think. Okay, sorry. Let me back up. It is too often used as an excuse when people say, context of the time. But here's a case where give oh, it credit for the absolutely. context of the time, man. Yeah, no, no, no. no. I yeah, mean, if you want to make that argument with this movie, you can make this argument with any movie that deals with race. Because because, because the, the, the fault, if, if you will, is that it focuses on white liberals. But when it does, it... It attacks them. Yeah, yeah. And I like that about this film. Mm-hmm. It's it's immediately, as soon as that liberal sort of um, uh, horse head is being raised, bad metaphor, sorry, it, 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 uh, Kramer... As, as soon as it's being slipped under the covers of the bed. <laughs> Kramer and company take waste no time in attacking it. Right. And I like that about it, which is not to say that, that, um, that Spencer Tracy, for instance, is the goat, but no. it's like he is the central almost person to learn a lesson here the second one is and mm-hmm. i like this the black father yeah 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 for it sure really i mean in a way that the jeffersons surely failed when they tried <laughs> <laughs> you remember the jeffersons well it, it, it does a good job of sort of yeah well fuck do i remember i mean they George's, tried right it was I sort of like honky hang on. like it was like, oh brother you know it was just ridiculous but 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 it's interesting because it's like yeah it, it's holding it, it's saying that they're you know they're the two sides of the street going on here and this is a glimpse on both sides of those streets right now mostly mostly concentrating on the on the white liberal and by the way i don't sure. think it I don't think it makes a mistake of saying, oh, both sides are the same. They're equal. No, no, no. no, no. All that's the same is that there's a universality of fathers and mothers to some degree who are concerned about their kids, overly protective, and make asses of themselves trying trying to navigate their way through the whole process. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's great. I, I love this movie. It's, this is a this is a really good movie. This is a, this is a movie. I think a lot of we we could all stand to sort of go back and rewatch this movie. I thought it was tremendous. Yeah, and it's a great little premise. It's uh, Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn. Should we, should we go into this story? Well, a it's just bit? it's just you know, Anne Margaret. So they were super wealthy. Anne Margaret. You were just—I was waiting for that to happen. He was uh, waiting to smack that Anne thing. What the day is? So Anne Margaret is uh, their daughter. They're super wealthy, San Francisco sort of elite couple. Uh, their daughter, they live like Seacliff. I mean, if if you have any knowledge of San Francisco, I, think, I mean, yeah, it's like that type think, of area. I think it's actually Pack Heights, but Seacliff, Pack Heights, one of the two. Oh, she, it was all shot in L.A. It doesn't matter. I believe it was Russian Hill, mm. my friend. That's mm, good. Lumber. There's a delightful brioche place just down from where they were. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, yeah. uh, but um, so. 
their daughter goes to Hawaii, comes back with uh, with uh, Sydney Poitier, young Barack Obama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. No, I mean uh, like, because that's that's the, again the thing like a people, UNICEF doctor who's cure who's no, like trying to cure all of Africa's ills. No question, the woke culture in 2020 will criticize early um, Poitier films for being like, oh, the well manicured uh, Negro. I get it, but like the noble, yeah, definitely. He, yeah, of sure. course, yeah, of course, there's a noble savage. That's that, what he fucking had to do. Well, it's not just he didn't, uh, he didn't just have to. He wanted to, and there's a good reason for him wanting to. I yeah, mean, I mean, I get it. Yeah, I, I don't get it, but you know, I'm sorry, Sydney. you couldn't possibly tell. You weren't. Never mind. Anyways, mm-hmm. so enough of that. Let's not let's not court disaster there. Um, the uh, just but, but uh, so okay. So so he so and he, then, oh Tom. Uh, <laughs> The, the the what I love about this movie is that the central the really central problem to the movie yeah. and it, it didn't need to exist like like Cindy Poitier brings it up that he's not going to go through the marriage if yeah. the two parents can give him an immediate answer as to like that day whether or not they approved or not I like that though well no of course you needed that because that that's the whole central problem of sure. the movie the rest of it just doesn't follow yeah. but if you if you really want to stop and squint and think about it white not white somebody fucking your daughter like. That's a hard question to throw in front of a like a throw throw in front of any adult male who's got a daughter. I think. I don't think so. I think it's that. But I yeah, mean, you're I'm kind so of a weirdo that way. But I'm not. I find that. Mm-hmm. I mean, side note, I guess I find that perspective so obnoxious <laughs> and retarded. Frankly, like, <laughs> what are you, my daughter? What are you in love with there? The most most uh, most normal men. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, have so, so what I'm saying is that like but what it, they what those normal men are doing is professing a sexual attraction for their daughter. That's what that is. So the, to me, it seems bizarre. I think it's a defensiveness. I think it's a not. It's a knowing that defending men are scumbags who are going to hurt her daughter, hurt their daughter. And by sleeping, I'm really with not defending this fucking position to you, dude. I'm just saying that that Whoa, that, that, that would be you, like you don't a have good to get excited, but hey, right that's there. precisely what you were doing. I'm not. I'm not in a position to define. I don't have a daughter. I wouldn't know. But I'm saying like the. the I would. I, am I wrong in thinking that's a very common perception? Yes, but it's yes, but yeah, yeah. Well, I know. I mean, so well, like, yeah, I have a point. But here. comma I'm, actually implies that there's a second end. Right, what's the other? Is that you're not just saying that it exists. You're defending it as a as a characteristic. You're saying like. Um, he he has this understandable, and it's like no, it's not understandable. That's all I'm, I'm disagreeing with. It's a biz- it's it's right, weird. Maybe the word understandable was not the word I should use. I'm saying it's a it's a there's a there's a, there's a common social trope that gr- that dads don't like people like guys who want to line up and fuck their daughters. Right. Okay. So that's what I'm going with. I'm saying like in that in that situation, that kind of a that kind of a hesitation to be put on the spot, like you know, in inside of a inside of a twelve hour window like that, I think is completely understandable. And yeah, it's a time frame that's that's bizarre. That's really the problem. Yeah. And, and so the rest of it is sort of having to overcome that, and then you know, and then in that context, them overcoming their, as you said, their natural objections to what they're worried is going to harm their kids. Which is being in an interracial couple in 1968. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I think the the, the all the characters ri- are written. They might all be written well, but I'm going to say mm-hmm. all except for one character is written well. Oh, by the oh, way, okay, you also have, and this oh. isn't. A, you also have the housekeeper, yeah, uh, Isabel Sanford. That's right? a really interesting. I like her. That's a great angle. She has the go between. She she knows the the, yeah. the rich white liberals because she mm-hmm. works with them. She quote unquote knows the African American couple who comes in, who flies in. Sydney Poitier's parents. Yeah, she is not as you would, or my bias was when I saw it. Like, oh, she's going to be on the on the one side. She's not on one side or the other because yeah. she knows where her bread is buttered. She understands how the world works. She also understands mm-hmm. how racism works. Yeah. So there's all of that. I think the character that drives me crazy is Anne yeah, Margaret. Margaret is really. 
annoying. I, I don't know because my new my Nubian prince here. What everybody? And it's like I don't know why oh, anybody is looking at you. Are, what are you not a fucking wake? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So she's kind of a silly, but I mean, like, maybe she has to be silly, and I have no idea. But it's, I mean, this was Poitiers' year, was it not? Oh, for fuck! I'm not trying to. I, for, no, 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 absolutely. Like, wow. Yeah. Well, as we were about to prove in a moment, yeah. here going moving on to our next movie. But I would say, like, you know, she's like, yeah, she's that Plutonic, that super platonic ideal of the of the of the person who sees no color. I guess is what I she guess, represents, yeah. and I guess you sort of need that for the whole thing to fly in a way. But it is a little bit like, how fucking naive is this person? Yeah, and it's different. There's naivete that that has a shelf life, and that has no shelf life. Um, um, <laughs> Spencer Tracy's. Uh, I think kind of outdated and maybe night, maybe more outdated point of view. Like it's what I'm worried about is how other people will. And it's sort of like, eh, I always found it to be a bullshit argument, but it's more plausible to me yeah, in terms yeah. of, of, um, you know, I have some sympathy for it, I guess, or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a good, uh, I think good it's, movie. A, I think it's a really good movie. Not yeah. again, not my top 100 maybe, but no, I, no. you know what, if I were teaching a class on, um, uh, you know, like uh, race relations or something like that, or history of like the late sixties or something like that. So this might be a movie be I would show. That class, Tommy. of all people. <laughs> Why? Because I'm, I'm I was born in sixty nine, so I'm from there. Colonizer. I'm from there. I've been there. Okay. Anyways, I've been there, baby. <laughs> Tom exploitation. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. So now we're talking about our fifth film, which is alphabetically speaking, in the heat of the night. Mr. Ray Charles. Oh, yes. a good soundtrack. All those sparse. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sparse. Well, the, the, okay. The, the only one of the things that like was kind of cool, kind of annoying. Was like just the weird shit kicker music that the people in the, were fucking, listening to throughout oh, the movie. And like, God, you terrible fucking people! What's wrong with you? Well, that's it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. Here's here's what Norman Jewison did. That I think it was amazing. Is the musical choices, you know, foul owl on the prowl that happened in the middle of the night at a diner by a fucking I wish I looked as normal as Anthony Perkins uh, fucking waiter who's probably a rapist on top of it. All, oh, date rapes for sure. No, but my point is this. It Jewison does this in the film. Mm-hmm. He has um, uh rednecks with a chain chasing the black man he has a pickup truck that you know has like white like hooded uh clansmen in 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 the back yeah but he that is much less frightening to me than the shitty pow ow on the prowl yeah. midnight stick he does more with like the the geography and the cinematography of yeah. that town in the middle of the heated sticky summer night that to, to scare you in terms of race than any of the like the tropes and cliches with like yeah the very lynchings. obvious shit that's there it's 100%. the hundred percent it's not just the subtlety but it's also it's not it's the subtle ubiquity of it it's oh, fucking yeah. everywhere yes it's crazy oh yeah and again and and I think this goes to the point you were trying to make earlier yeah how did this get made in the same move in the same fucking year or even in, even is, is an adjective to the same country as guess who's coming to dinner. Or Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> There's no answer to that, Joe. No, no, but I got you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Because this is an unrelenting look at actual, of of what racism is. Yeah. It's no, it's brutal. It, it's, uh, yeah. And, and nobody's, and it, re- is anybody redeemed by the end of this fucking movie? Um, Let I mean, me ask the, you that. The, just, yeah, well, here, part, of the, part of the problem with this movie and and it gets criticism from people like um, James Baldwin, who was who was friends with City Poitier, and it, it, it's mm-hmm. that it has the same thing that some City Poitier movies do, like classically the defiant ones, and that's that like the the white racist sheriff and the black cop from Philadelphia, 
you know, I'm going to miss you, buddy. Like they sort of shake hands and like everyone yeah. feels good. Like there's the failing in the film if there is one. Right. It falls a little bit apart of that because they weren't not that. They never got like I wouldn't. Yeah. I, but I couldn't but see where they job. got that close before Jusen that moment. did a moment. good job because he, it wasn't for 90% of the film. They're not friends. And, mm. and for 60% of the film, Rod Steiger or oh, Steiger, Steiger. Um, doesn't um, like uh, uh, him at oh, all, or even like, hates him for or the respect, color of his skin. respect his approaches or anything, but yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you know, you're th- the the scenario is um, a good black detective and With, a competent racist sheriff from but, Mississippi but, but, but are thrown together. But one of the things that kind of that kind of renders a little bit unbelievable for me yeah. is that there's never really any good reason why City Poitier should have any respect whatsoever for Steicher's character. No, it's not because that he, he's not because he's more than willing to beat a suspect with a phone book to to get a confession. You're talking about Steiger. Yeah, Steiger's character. Yeah, Steiger is all about well, when the, he starts to, when he runs out of out of suspects, he accuses his own deputy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just he's all about railroading whoever needs to shut to shut up the uh no i think i think the point is and again this is one where it sort of like um borders on being over the top with the good how good a black man can be Mm -hmm. and that's that um i think the idea is that city portier is so dedicated to his work as a as a cop that he can't see an injustice stand right so like he that's all there's a little bit of that too sure okay and so that's a little over the top but but you know it's fucking i mean there's there's a i mean that scene between him and the plantation owner (laughs) is fucking great wonderful oh i mean it's it's pretty cool it is as close as a white person that i can get to feeling some sense of justice for black (laughs) you sort of like you're like yes oh god how sad that actually is but i would agree with you on that yeah yeah Yeah, um and yeah poitier is just amazing of course you know he did a sequel to this called they call me mr tibbs (laughs) which is not uh, very good which is a weird shot i i I wondered if that if that particular shot they did like like after the after the shooting wrapped they called him into say that one line one last time they call me mr it's a little bit out of place with the tone of the rest of the scene little bit but, but you know, it's, it's, so it's 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 a it's a big scene and there are things that cut through like that i think realistically cut through racism mississippi burning does a good job with this with francis mcdormand and gene and gene hackman the mm-hmm. relationship they have but it's like the the woman the the widow of the recently murdered man in town who who was supposed to be bringing jobs to the area yeah, yeah. um it she hasn't like transcended race because she's an angel mm-hmm. she's she is so grieving yeah. That she sees the only competence in the fucking county yeah. is this black detective. And right. so that's what drives her. And so, like, in a way, they're using, like, very base human emotions that everyone shares without having to go through the somersault <laughs> of, like, we're all human, man. <laughs> you know, it's and it's to me, it walks a really nice edge. I love this movie. Yeah, yeah, it does. I, yeah, again, this falls into the ca- – this this may be top 100 to 150 movies for me. I You're would, big in the county today. I appreciate it. I like it. I like, yeah, I like counting, it, Tommy. It's a good – It's it, I think it's a really good movie. It's a great – and it in in its context, it's mm-hmm. a tremendous movie. That is the sheer. You know what I like of the about times this? you said tremendous. I'm going to put that in my top twenty. Well, thank you. But <laughs> one thing I have to say about this movie, uh, which I think is what, what works for it uh, to, to its total advantage, is uh, it's it's just it's brutal honesty. It's just not yeah. letting anybody off these hooks. No, no, it is. I don't think so. Yeah, and by no, that I mean, I mean white people for sure. Yeah, definitely. And and from the get go, I mean, even when he's he's called and when they they call him in as a suspect first, right, and then realize when he produces some identification, like, what are you doing with? They're not too bright. What are you doing with this detective's badge with your <laughs> right. name on it? Right. Wait a minute. Will's what white man did you roll for that? Yeah, and then emboss your own name on his badge. Um, they bring him in uh, to. Um, 
The corner, the Mississippi corner. Oh, yes. Right. To, um, and this might be a little unrealistic, like do his job right for him. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, right he's a terrible right. corner. Yeah. But I mean, even the, the sort of like the shots. In, in like, a with, chick, like a chicken grease, like a chi- like a fried chicken, like uh, grease. Th- Never mind. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Even the cinematography there, the art direction, it's like this really dark room with a, a soft light in the center as black Sidney Poitier, like uncomfortably black for the people in the room, uncomfortably black in the dark for the people in the room, yeah. is handling the dead man's hands to look for rigor mortis in the, under the fingers. Mm-hmm. First of all... They're like, Riga, what? Like, what are you talking about? Uh-huh. And then also, but are like, are you touching a white man? But over the there? intimacy of his touching his fingers, yeah. sort of barely in the dark, it's, it's like, wow, there's a lot of tension there. Yeah, yeah, you can feel that. And the other thing, too, I think this movie was really kind of one thing that I thought, another thing I thought was extraordinary about this, I guess two things now yep. about this movie is the way the the grittiness of the actual cinematography plays to oh, the yeah. actual setting. It's mm-hmm. really well. You can you can smell the sweat coming off these fuckers. Oh yeah, it's oh, yeah, it's very yeah. impressive that way. It's got some good. I forgot to uh, not, a not good, going into it. Got some good abortion stuff too. Huh? Good good abortion stuff. Oh yes, right, right, nice right. Always stuff. good. Yeah, always good. Kind of a little nerd. Well, okay. <laughs> I think it's time. Why don't we do this? Really uncomfortable thing. Why don't we? Go up from now. Now there are lots of other 1967 films we can go into, but let's just keep it contained to these five films. Sure. Give me best director out of these five films. Yes. Oh, Jewison. Yeah. I I, I want to. I really want to say Mike Nichols, but I'm going to go Jewison. I want to say Arthur Penn. Not that I think that Bonnie and Clyde is the best film, but in terms, if I can, if you can separate. Like it might be the third best film, but like mm-hmm. like the way a director handles something, because there are different types of directors, right? There's direct. How does someone direct like action, like how things are unfolding, versus how does someone direct people acting in a room? It's two different types of direction, right? right. So if it's in a room, I'd say Jewison. Yeah. If it's like directing the sort of big picture of a director, I would say Arthur Penn. I'm gonna go with Arthur Penn just yeah. to be contradictory. Okay, I just like the fact I didn't. I just like the Jewison made the environment of like this the third character in the room. You know, it, I agree with I, you. I, I like yeah, that. You might be swaying me. Jewison. Mm-hmm. Double Jewison. Double Jewison. Uh, Can we have a double Jewison, please? On the rocks. Uh, actress. Hmm. Actress, actress. Catherine Hepburn got it for this. She shared it actually with um, Barbara Streisand, a funny girl, and I don't think she deserved it. I don't mm-hmm. think either one of them did. No, I would go with you on that one. For this one, best actress. I got Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway. I'm going to say The Seal. Yeah. The Seal? Yeah. Oh, The Seal? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Her name is Sheila, Joe. Get it right, buddy. Uh, Faye go Faye Donahue. Donahue. I would I might go in Bancroft. Okay. Okay. Right. I okay. can't argue with that. Uh best actor. Well, Rick Harrison. <laughs> I'm gonna say they gave it to the right guy with with Steiger. Yeah. He's fucking tremendous he's in that film. So, God, he's, he's good. He's so hateful. You know, and I always listen to my dad like when I was growing up because he hated this movie. My dad did not like this movie. Mostly because he really, he there's something about him and like the, taking a New York Jew and putting him in the South. Like always, that kind of bugged him. You mean is, Steiger? Steiger, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Right. So, um, but Odd. I think Steiger is, uh, he's hard to argue. He's so good. Remember, he's, think about the next year he did a hateful. film we, we tackled and he could have been so good. In fact, he was good. The movie ruined it. Uh, no Way to Treat a Lady. Where he plays like yeah, seven different. Yeah, he could. Yeah. I mean, Strangler movie. Yeah, yeah. It was a little. Yeah. But this is so much more. Oh, this is a great. Yeah, no, this is a tre- very good. Tremendous role. It's a kind tremendous. Of, it's, it's 
It's funny for somebody who is like he could be arguably the best supporting actor in this movie. Nah, you think? Okay, I mean people make that move. I got what you're saying. Nah, I give him nah. All right, Uh, now best film. Oh, you're asking me to say it. Very good. Okay, uh, I'm going to go. I think the best film for this year was definitely uh, In the Heat of the Night. I mean, too. Okay, you know why? Because it actually was. It was the best film. Yeah, it was. Yeah. No, I don't. Now, uh, best film. Hmm. Give me the one that you, if, if, if The Heat of the Night had not won, that you would not. Maybe The Graduate. I mean, yeah, The Graduate's me the, only other, the only other real contender. But I'm going to say Heat one. of the Night, but, but Graduate is like, a close second. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like right in there. If, because ultimately, the, what The Graduate's uh, grappling with mm-hmm. is important, but not nearly as. I mean, I mean, The, the, the Graduate seems important at first. Like, oh, right. we're dealing with sexual mores and you know, age and gender. And then it's like, then you watch The Heat of the Night, it's like, oh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking that crazy. Kid stuff right there, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's one of those things where I don't always necessarily think that the Oscar needs the best picture needs to go to the most important. No, nope. so oh, I agree. I agree. I'm not. No, uh, no, I'm no. not a fan of, of like holding that as like a, a hard and fast. No. But every once in a while, you see something where it's very undeniable. Yeah, this well, is definitely a cultural. This is a cultural like moment. Yeah, I don't think it's an accident though. Like when you have like. <laughs> I remember being really upset at eleven in nineteen eighty two because I used to watch the Oscars religiously <laughs> when. Gandhi over ET? Are you kidding? Me? <laughs> so it's like it's like well, but the thing is, Gandhi is a tremendous bit of filmmaking because yeah. if you're Richard Attenborough, you're not going to approach something like Gandhi without having a mindset of of like I want to make this a masterpiece, right? And so I think that that it's it has in the past, and I think maybe we're losing that a little bit in the past when you want to take on a serious big issue like this is going to be art, but also social commentary then I think that there was a lot more effort put. And so it's no accident that they also tend to be really well-made films. I think that Hmm. it's not as true today because we have more... Well, more of them are being made, so more less of them are as are as well made. Well, I would say I, I would say um, they have less money. I think because the more the, the the movies that tend to you know come in on the important end of the spectrum yep. tend to be indies. Oh, that's true too. Yeah, because, yeah, that's a yeah. good point. You need like serious studio money to make a Gandhi right now, but it takes much less to put it together. Moonlight, like Boys Don't Cry, or oh yeah, Moonlight. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is like yeah, a blah, super blah, blah, blah. quiet indie kind of a movie like that. Yeah. So yeah, you know yeah. what though? May I say this? May I say this? You know sir? what, Joe? You can go. Okay. Now I'm going to say this. Uh, people will hate me for this. I do. I did really love La La Land. I don't like musicals even, but I just didn't. Something about it. I really I've never seen that. And you, yeah, I remember you. I that liked movie. it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um. So in a way, our whole conversation about like what was Hollywood was that was at the sort of like the dichotomy of like old Hollywood. Fucking two years ago, it was Moonlight and La La Land up for Best Picture. I guess we're still doing the same thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, because, because you know what? Because big. Because now, well, yep. unfortunately, ahead, I'd please. have to say Hollywood right now is big on the nostalgia dollar. <laughs> Yeah, so that's so that's always that's yeah playing to nostalgia, playing to tropes that they know are safe, that they know we're gonna go, we're gonna we're gonna bite on. They're, they're always gonna put big money into that. All right, Tommy, thanks for <laughs> thanks for playing. Hey, Tom. Thanks by the way, playing. if you want to check out Tom's stuff, I would recommend this. Tom Smith comedy YouTube it man he's, you've got some funny YouTubes out there funny YouTubes that's not the way to say yeah, it but you know what I mean he's out there, yeah. yeah he's a funny guy this nah. guy's a hey what do you ask? do I amuse you Mike yeah. <laughs> yeah, go check out Tom Smith on YouTube 
Well, no, no, no. It's I, rough, think, dude. I think if you do, no, I've done it. I found you before. Tom, Tom mm-hmm. Smith, comedy, San Francisco. You'll narrow it down. Right. And if the if it's some, maybe it's someone else who's even funnier than you, and you'll get lots of credit yeah, for Yeah, I'll take the credit for that, too, for sure. What do I have, pride? No, not really. Nice. Uh, okay, uh, rate and reviews on iTunes. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear uh, more from you. If you want to send us an email about our 1968 Oscar picks, whether you agree or disagree with them, mm-hmm. um, uh, you can send it to finleysonfilm at gmail.com. Rate and review us. Oh, consider becoming a Patreon subscriber we have i don't know dozens at this point of secret episodes like 40 at least i mean secret episodes for the five dollars per month uh, level really really the truth of the matter is you should consider being a patreon member because this is a passion and it helps us do things like update equipment etc it's just like if you are passionate about cinema or possibly even this podcast consider becoming a patreon member but we do have a reward for you and that's a- a access to the secret i think it's called what is it finley's fine reserve Our from the cellar cellar episodes the where shiller. we talk oftentimes in the beginning sorry i'm just babbling on and on i'm blithering blithering into here but in the beginning we try to do the same thing um where we'd, we'd pick an actor or something like i think we did a robert duvall we did a robert uh, uh, uh steiger Rod Steiger episode. But then I think what it evolved into, it, and I like it actually, is same length episodes about single films. And so you get something a little bit different, whereas yeah. normally we don't do single films mm-hmm. here. We tend to sort of linger around a single film for those, those secret episodes. Anyway, um, we'll take anything under $5 just for sort of support. So thank you very much. Yeah. Anything but, else, Tommy? But please, $5 or more because we really want to quit our day jobs and just do this. Tom, it's time you quit your day job. Buddy. <laughs> All right. Shut up. Shut up, Joe. Uh, is that it? Yep. All right. Happy Oscars, everyone. All right.